Hello and welcome to Short Range Sensors, the show where we journey to the final frontier of nostalgia, discussing everything from Star Trek merchandise to our favourite memories of growing up with Star Trek in England. I'm Trev and joining me, as always, is a man who loves plot holes that can be as big as a celestial temple. It's Alistair. Hey, Al. Hello. <laughs> a celestial temple, huh? It's a very large hole, really, isn't it, in space? So I thought, mm. you know, and there are some very large plot holes that are probably about as big as that. So one we're about to talk about. So I thought that was an appropriate, an appropriate reference there. Yeah, so we're we're just going to dive into them like a par reef, no doubt. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Actually, the Celestial Temple is is actually the wormhole to the Gamma Quadrant, just in case people are like, Celestial Temple? It doesn't get called <laughs> that quite often in Deep Space Nine, does it? It's just the wormhole, isn't it, really? Mm, with the wormhole aliens. The wormhole aliens. It'd be boring if I just said, you know, a plot hole as big as a wormhole, so I thought it'd be a bit more specific. But anyway, <laughs> um, we're actually diving into some headcanon today. And it was thanks to a suggestion by one of our listeners and founding member patrons, Lee was. So in our Discord, he wrote, I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on the Klingon makeup changes over the whole of Star Trek and their attempts to explain, or not explain in the case of Deep Space Nine, those changes in canon. So, oh yeah, that's a very, very loaded subject to talk about, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I mean, the, the simplest explanation for everything is obviously makeup improves over time. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, so of course. Of course, they're going to do that. They're going to put their own stamp on it and, and things. But how it works canonically in the timeline, oh, that's messed up. Big time. Yeah. And then we, we kind of, and we'll get into this, but we get an explanation and then it gets all screwed up again is the way that these things go. And it will probably continue to do so as people fancy themselves as, I'm going to redesign the Klingons for the fifth time, you know, in whatever future series. Hopefully we're going to continue to get series and there'll be more of them. Yeah. I'm happy to take a hit of someone going nuts on the Klingon makeup again. Yeah. Now, normally for, for these, we don't tend to mention the date because a lot of our retrospectives, yeah, you know, we don't intend to end up getting dated. We should probably mention that this has been recorded in May of 2022. So yes. if you're listening to this in the future, something else has happened in the Star Trek universe that completely counteracts everything that we say. That's why. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there is a time factor in this that it could be very important to people that are listening mm. in the future. Hi, people from the future. <laughs> so there's, there's kind of um, some fun little episodes that do kind of vaguely address the issue. I think, Al, you've kind of got those sort of noted down. Just take us through some of those little interesting points that you've brought up Yeah, in terms of the, the makeup. Initially, we had the Klingons in the original series who looked just like humans, but kind of with almost blackface, but not quite. Yeah, But they, yeah. they were certainly tanned in terms of their makeup. And the whole purpose for that was because they had the Romulans as the big antagonist, but Romulan ears were so expensive to make, which is why most of the Romulans on screen had helmets covering their ears. Yes, Apart from when yes. you had someone like, say, Mark Leonard on screen. Yes. So the Klingons were brought in as like the budget aliens. And so that's why they ended up appearing so much more. And then we get to the movies where suddenly the budget is so much higher and they can start doing makeup. And so we see Mark Leonard again, 
but not as a Romulan, but as a Klingon with ridges. You could probably argue that's the biggest change because, I mean, they didn't really keep that look after that. Well, they did to an extent, but um, just that single kind of big, thick ridge through the top of the head. Yeah. But in terms of, like, the actual look of what the Klingons would be all the way up to now were really established in that opening scene. Yeah. Um, like like the, the, the displays and the Klingon language sort of text. I know that we saw that a little bit in the original series, but it was really right in front of you. And not only that, but the language itself, which at the time was just random grunts and noises yeah. that Mark Leonard was coming up with. And then when Ockrand ended up developing the language as a natural language you could translate, he went back and basically reverse engineered the dialogue that Mark Leonard had used on screen so that you can watch the first movie and you could translate That's that. Right, yeah. Even though at the time, the language didn't exist, which is incredible. Yeah. It was actually James Doohan who came up with those sort of grunts and sounds for the motion picture. Oh, you're picture. right. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he yeah he yeah. came up with, with the stuff. Yeah, it was Matt Leonard who was on screen uttering a lot of them. But I don't really know yeah. why he uh, was able to put his input into it. I know he, he was very good at voices and voice acting, and obviously he played his Canadian, and he was able to put on, well, I'm not Scottish, so maybe I shouldn't be commenting, but a fairly believable Scottish accent. And he also voiced a lot of voices in the animated series as well. Yeah. Yeah, so there was already probably, um, they'd already established that, oh, you can do weird voices. Um, can, <laughs> can you come up with some stuff for, for the Klingon language that we need to have? And it just made, um, we didn't really, well, we had in the original series, you know, people speak Vulcan occasionally, mainly in, in yeah. like a, um, a mock time. But we, don't, we never heard anybody speaking Klingon at any point no. in the original series. so And also, like, talking about the, the, how the displays and the fonts and the colours and the language were established in that opening scene. Also, like, the uniform, that that traditional Klingon, I don't know if it's, like, armour, battle armour, duty uniform, that, that stayed basically all the way through to Deep Space Nine, really, yep. and without really cha changing much. Arguably Voyager as well. Oh, yeah, Voyager, yeah. Right up to the end of the series. I, I think Voyager is probably the last time we saw those, you know, that style of Klingon. Yeah, Bar Barge of the Dead? Yeah, I mean, probably, which I'm which pretty sure was, was that, I'm pretty sure that was post-DS9. It would have been. I think that was like the third to last episode of Voyager. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at a couple of years uh, uh, after that. So all the way to the end of the, um, of that, obviously in Enterprise, that was a prequel series. So they had sort of different styles developed for that. Uh, more sort of regular clothing, almost, you would see in that. Um, going back to sort of the notes that you've put put together for how the Klingons have developed, there was obviously what we saw in the original series, and we're talking about the motion picture. How else did it develop? After we'd had the sort of evolution of the Klingon headridges, which we even saw that change even for Worf in season three, because somebody stole Michael Dorn's headpiece. So they had to design a new one. Oh, right. But they did one that allowed Michael Dorn to, to have more expression. So that's why his head ridges changed between seasons. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought they just made a new one just because they wanted to make him make a new one. Nope. Its whereabouts are still unknown, as far as I'm aware. Someone's walking around with my, <laughs> with a Klingon head head ridge. It's not yeah. something you can really... Uh, it's like the person that stole the world's most valuable Pokemon card. They can't mm. sell it. Because people will know exactly who, who, who's got the stolen Pokemon that's, card yeah. now. That's it, exactly. And it's amazing how much emphasis you see in his performance. You know, he's a lot more expressive. 
And it's because of how that headpiece changed, but it does make things look a, a lot different. And I think a lot of people just put it down to the hair change as well, because his hair length changed for that as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that look kind of stayed the same throughout. And then we had Enterprise that came out, which kind of doubled down on it. That was where that things really kind of got confusing chronologically, and we'll we'll get into into that shortly. Yeah. And then we ended up with Discovery which completely redesigned the Klingons again to a point that it really divided the fan base. I mean, how, how do you feel about it, uh, about that look? At first, when I, when I first saw pictures leak going, you know, these are the new Klingons, I'm like, nah, that can't be the Klingons. That must be just another alien species. But yeah. when I actually saw them, part of me was kind of like, I don't like this because it's different. And then part of me was like, you know what? The Klingons have become so knowable. We, we, we know what they're like. We know what to expect. There's no threat or danger because we know them as allies after yes. watching them for so long. Yeah. The, having this uncomfortability brought back that sense of danger and, and things like that, which I liked. Yeah. They were uncomfortable to look at. Yeah, I think I'm probably on on the same lines as you really. I mean, I, I think my my ultimate feeling about it is they the the advanced technology that we have now that we didn't have, you know, in the '90s and and, and probably the, the you know the early 2000s, and we might as well take advantage of the fact that we can have more elaborate looking aliens that don't just you know we we would roll our eyes on especially on Voyager when it was a different alien every week and it was just something different different on their forehead. Even then, we were like, come on, no. Yeah, it was just a, a forehead ridge or a nose ridge. Something like, that. like a headpiece and a nose piece. Yeah. Perhaps some ear pieces, and that was... It, Sometimes which, nothing. Like, like I was watching yeah. like an episode time and again, and they're, they're, they've just got... They're just wearing corsets. That, that, that's, they, haven't got, <laughs> they haven't got funny head, ridges or tattoos on their head. They have literally nothing. It's just humans wearing funky-looking outfits. And and this is in no way a slight no, to no. Michael Westmore and his team. Oh hell no! Because to pull off that number of aliens every week, that you know, yeah. is incredible. Like and and especially at the time with the technology that they had, yeah. And and as time as as you say, as time goes on and prosthetics improve, why not take advantage of that? That's what they did in the motion picture. Exactly. So yeah, and they kind of took, I feel like, a little bit of inspiration from the bald-headed Klingon that appeared in Star Trek Into Darkness as well. Yes, and that was probably closer to the original sort of Klingon look. With that, yeah. um, It was nowhere near as dramatic as what we saw in Discovery. I mean, perhaps I would have been more happy if they went for that kind of style. Mm. At least it's kind of closer. I kind of got used to it. I mean, the only thing, the only trouble with that Discovery makeup, it, it was just so elaborate it was very difficult to tell. I mean, they couldn't really do any facial expressions or express any emotions, whereas obviously, you know, you, that, that was easy to do, the old makeup. So that was probably my main beef with it was you couldn't tell, you know, it was difficult to see the person's face, really, to yeah. see what they were thinking or feeling, yeah. And even though the language was still Klingon and they had advisors on set to make sure that all the Klingon was proper correct it still seemed like the delivery is different almost like the the prosthetics and perhaps you know the the folks teeth that they're wearing almost restricted how they could say some of the words exactly yeah i don't really know the correct terminology to use but there was definitely a difference in just how the language is is presented 
Yeah, I mean, you could almost, there might be an argument with that as well of, well, it made their language sound harsher and more perhaps what it would really sound like. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, it was difficult to kind of, it kind of all the words just kind of smushed together a little bit, didn't it? Because they were struggling so much against the makeup. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're a kid at Halloween and you've got fake vampire teeth in and you just can't yeah. enunciate quite the same way. That's kind of how it came across a little bit. Yeah, so they probably created a rod for their own back a little bit with making that makeup so elaborate. Yeah. But it does look cool and it's a bit more, I think you should take advantage of the better technology and makeup techniques that we have now to make aliens that are a lot more alien and not just, you know, dude wearing a corset and a tattoo on their forehead. Yeah. So, yeah, I am kind of for it. Yeah. But it does, that initial shock still hits a little bit. <laughs> it's probably the yeah, best way to put it. It's kind of looking like looking at the bridge of the Enterprise in Strange New Worlds and looking at the bridge of the Enterprise in the original series. And you can kind of go, wow, this is incredible because it looks like a proper modern take. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you couldn't kind of go, oh, it needs to be the same. It needs to have like the plywood walls. Like that just wouldn't fly these days. You can't make that connection between the original no. bridge on the uh, original series and which is newer, maybe has been refit after mm. Pike leaves um, and turns into wheelchair beep man. <laughs> I mean, we had a good like a good progression in the movies where we had the bridge, although we had that slightly odd moment in Star Trek Four at the end when the bridge is just the the, the same bridge from three and one, one <laughs> yeah. two and three just white and very pale. And then in Star Trek V, it had a very TNG, like we're slowly moving to that look to make that connection mm. between the Enterprise A and D, which worked really well. Um, the bridge was a lot more spacious, car nice carpeted, the panels, touchscreen like interfaces, not quite L cars, but getting there. Yeah. So there was that lineage was very clearly established, but it's kind of broken a little bit now. Mm. But again, I'm not. Let's mean we're going to go into another discussion now. But um, yeah, um, it's yeah. You know what? We'll save it for the episode of S short, short range sensors when we explain those uh, set design plot holes. <laughs> you know, uh, that's a whole episode, isn't it? Right there. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things where this really gets confusing is that we ended up with the episode Trials and Tribulations in Deep Space Nine, where they go back in time. Brilliant episode where they're interacting with the original series cast yeah. using a lot of the technology that they, was designed for Forrest Gump just to insert them into the scene. Very common these days, but back then, groundbreaking. It hasn't and aged too, too badly. Not um, at all. Either. No. no. Watching it no. now. And so you've got the crew looking around going, wait, those are Klingons? Seeing all these very flat-headed, very human-looking people around. Yes. And yeah. Worf's classic line of, we do not discuss it with outsiders. Which was great. Which was really great. Yeah. And that kind of went, okay, you know, we can accept that. You know, it was enough to kind of headcanon and go, okay, so there's something that happened. And you kind of come up with some theories. My theory wasn't that far removed from what we got when Enterprise decided to explain it with the augment virus, where we have these augments yes. that are kind of based on the research that made Khan and from basically that war. And yeah, yeah. that's what ends up turning them to look human because we have this virus going around that's infecting them and they need to have a human... Uh, like the, It's basically the, the cure for it, the antidote, uses human DNA yeah, because that's what the augment virus was kind of based off of. So yeah. as a side effect and a result, they all end up losing their ridges. 
Yeah, it gets a lot of flack for that. Um, I, I remember reading on like when I used to sort of be in the Trek web forum. This is when mm. Enterprise was airing. A lot of people said, "Oh, that's such a pathetic, like, stupid, like um, a way of explaining that away." Maybe I don't think it needed it. Some people just like flat out didn't want it to be explained. They just were happy just to head cannon it for all time, I guess. But I actually appreciate the fact that they came up with a fairly decent way of explaining it that I thought kind of worked. Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, it would make sense that if the Klingons, you know, were there on one of their own ships got hijacked by augments, they, they, and at that point in time, the Klingons are a bit more warlike than, than they would be, you know, certainly when we got to the next generation era, that they would be kind of be embarrassed by it and they would really want to, you know, we need to sort of get back on top. So the best way to do it is we might have to genetically engineer. You know, they don't have any issues with like we do with um, genetically modifying humans. Uh, that's 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 a thing that we that we have. But the Klingons don't have any of that. They can just do whatever they want to do. Yeah. So to me, it made perfect sense. Yeah, and th- and this is all stemming from a problem that they kind of made for themselves because we we know that the original series has the flat-headed Klingons, and when Broken Bow, the pilot to Enterprise, arrived, we had Clang, who was a full ridged Klingon. Yeah, exactly. But you, you don't want to have to be explaining to people who are casual viewers as to why this Klingon has a flat head. I think the only the only issue that really comes up with it is, do they do it to the whole population? Did they sort of order the entire population, almost like a COVID jab thing in a weird way, that everybody has to have this and they all, that's how they... Well, we don't know if everybody lost their ridges. Maybe it's just the people that serve in the military. That's it. Who are on the ships. Yeah. Um, whereas the the regular population didn't didn't have that because they're not out there in space fighting battles. So you could headcanon it like that and say, well, it's just the people that are on the ships, part of the Klingon fleets, and they're the only ones that would have the augment upgrade, or whatever you want, you, you want to call it. Yeah. Whereas the general population still look like Klingons, as we know how they look like in from the films and, and TNG. So yeah, that's a bit of headcanon you could probably put in there to explain the you know, did, did did everybody or was it just a subset that got it? Yeah, and it's interesting because we also ended up with Kor and Koloth and Kang, who are all Klingons that appeared in the original series, and they return in Deep Space Nine. Some of them a couple of times, but the first appearance was Blood Oath. Yes, and they again all have the more modern Klingon appearance, which again makes sense. Yeah rather yep. than just having them walking on and be the first Klingons in a century to still be flat-headed. And it's the same actors as well, which is really cool. That's it, the originals. Yeah. 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 Now, there's a book called Star Trek Aliens and Artifacts that was published in 2000, and that's all about all the props and makeup. And Michael Westmore did actually chime in, and there's a little quote from him for it, saying that while Kang, Koloth, and Kor all bore the mark of the augmented Klingons... Yeah. Their inexplicable appearance in DS9 Blood Oath in the modern Klingon form at that time was that the producers explained to the actors that Klingons lived to be very old and their new look was part of the aging process. Which makes sense, but we're going to headcanon the hell out of that right I, now so we can disregard I don't, that. I don't buy that, that just <laughs> no. as they get older, it, you know, the, the ridges appear because then you wouldn't have kids like Alexander with ridges. Yeah, it just got hand waved away without really thinking about it. I think the yeah. easiest, the, the easiest thing is like the augment virus was modified through the years, and or the augment, you know, booster, whatever you call it, the serum, like Captain America or something. Mm. It just got modified through the through the decades to to the point where you know what we figured out how to do it, so it won't affect yeah. the the natural Klingon appearance. Well, th- um, this is yeah. this actually leads to a theory that I've had in terms of headcount, which I haven't really seen anywhere else. 
It may exist out there. I don't know, but I haven't seen it because everything gets messed up with Discovery because of the oh, time, time frame that Discovery takes place because we've got Enterprise happening and we get the flat-headed Klingons. We have the original series with the flat-headed Klingons and right slap in the middle is Discovery and they have this really wild look to the Klingons as well. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. Discovery comes in and screws everything up again from something where we kind of got to a point of like, okay, this makes sense. I'm fine with this. Uh, this this is all cool. I could head kind of my way. And then this comes in. And I've spent the last little while since Lee Wasp brought this up trying to kind of come up with, okay, what would make sense? And it's not far off what you just said in terms of the booster. When we've got in the episode Divergence with Antark, the, sci- the Klingon scientist who is working on this, and he says, like, I'm, I'm going to have to start a new job doing, I, I think it was like ridge restoration or something like that. <laughs> to try and bring the Klingon look back. I do wonder if part of the rollout for a vaccine of sorts to restore the Klingon appearance was just too aggressive. Yes. And so all the Klingons took it and that took, you know, took over. And one of the things that they, they actually said for the makeup for why they're all bald. So I'm, I'm, I'm just sidestepping here for a second is that they apparently shave their heads in times of battle which I'm calling bullshit on. Oh, hell yeah. Because we never see that at any other time. I know that they talked about how... Well, if you're on a ship, what if you're on a ship just going about a regular mission, you've got your hair, <laughs> you've got your forehead of hair, and oh yeah. crap, we've got to go and battle a Federation starship. Oh, let me, let me get my clippers, I've got to shave my head. Yeah. <laughs> well, got to, yeah. That's yeah. A bit and silly. then in season two, we see the Klingons with the hair restored. And the makeup is toned down. It's a little bit smoother. It's not quite as jarring as season one. And so what I'm thinking is that this thing that's been rolled out, and especially as we see in the season one finale, Will You Shake My Hand, we see a lot of the the big Klingon houses. Yes. So they would be the first ones to get this rollout, I would imagine. Yeah. Being so prestigious and stuff. And I think that we would end up seeing, uh, especially on the home world, which is where that's all set, this affecting their bodies at such a, an extremity that all the hair falls out. I'm yeah. fully fine on, on board on that. And then as time goes on, it starts to settle. Perhaps it's told to them that it's going to be extreme and then it will start to settle. And I wonder if it reverts back, like it's only temporary and it reverts back to being the smooth heads. But maybe it's one of those things that that also would explain the motion picture where the ridges are a little bit more subtle and it would go by Michael Westmore's explanation of be something that happens as they get older, that perhaps we go too far to one end of the scale, it reverts all the way back to the other, and then slowly starts to progress back to having the ridges come back, that by the time of next generation, they've kind of restored themselves. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good that's a pretty good headcanon for that. Um yeah, they've modified the augment booster and it creates that mm. outwardly, you know, slightly over the top, very exaggerated Klingon makeup that we see in Discovery. Yeah, perhaps it's only a subset of people. I mean, there, I think there are scenes on the quite a lot of scenes on the Klingon homeworld. We don't necessarily see the general population. So again, you could say, well, we don't see what everybody else looks like. It could be those prestigious families, as you say that received the augment booster so they ended up looking the way they did and eventually again it just keeps getting modified and tweaked to we eventually settle and yeah motion picture we get to that point where they look like they're doing that and then by 
I guess, Star Trek 3, really, which is there's quite a big jump from Star Trek The Motion Picture to Star Trek 2, which a lot of people yeah. don't really realise, like about, God, about six, seven years? Maybe a bit more? Maybe more like ten years? Mm. So... Yeah, but obviously they kept on modifying it. And what we're saying is the the actual real look of the Klingons is what we see in the next generation and Star Trek three and onwards. That is the prime Klingon appearance. But yep. with Discovery, I don't think they're ever going to try and come up with a way to reconcile how they look in that with how they look in you know in the in the eighties and nineties. I think they're quite happy to just to completely wreck on that. And they're like, no, this is what the Klingons look like. Um, you're just going to have to just live with it, which I think is how it's going to be. Yeah. We're also, at time of recording, we are on Strange New Worlds episode three. Yes. And we have not seen the Klingons in Strange New Worlds yet. No. So we have no idea how they're going to appear, if it's still going to be a bit of a progression, because we have seen season one to season two of Discovery, there was a slight change. Could they tweak it even more? No idea. Yeah. So this part of uh, this headcanon could very well end up getting very dated very soon. Who knows? This might be a part one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for now, unless you can poke any other holes in it, I, th I think this works pretty well. And it also adds more weight to the we do not discuss it with outsiders line. Because you've There's got not just... There's a whole weird history. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's more than just the augment virus and all of that kind of stuff that goes on and perhaps some dishonor around some of the actions that happen there. Exactly. You'll also end up with how it affected the entire species biologically over time as they try to restore their look. And there's probably trauma, like, like yeah. the, you know, yeah. And, and maybe yeah. by the original series, if they've kind of, you know, we've gone back to getting ridges a little bit too much, maybe, and then it reverts back to looking very human. Perhaps that's just like a very dishonorable point where it's just like, well, we, we've obviously failed at this. You could go crazy with it, and you know, this yeah. is a bit something for that were probably more likely to appear in like the books and things like that. But perhaps there could have been like maybe there was wars, like civil wars about this this augment uh, booster slash virus. Oh, you know, perhaps a bit yeah. of uh, of racism going on. Yeah, with, it could have been an empire about yeah. the flatheads and and not. It could have caused tension between them, like you know the Andorans and the Enar and 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 things things like that, and and eventually mm. it settled down by the uh, the 80s films and the 90s shows it become like a taboo subject and you know we don't we don't want to talk about our silly era when we're messing around with our genes yeah much like you know the the eugenics wars are kind of talked about but they're kind of people don't really want to talk about it and it's very taboo it's a similar thing that maybe has affected the klingons yeah and and maybe yeah. i mean what, what do you think about the fact that in the original series it is mostly just the augmented versions so, That's all we ever see, yeah. Yeah, so maybe they are the ones that effectively win that battle. Yeah. Because they, they could very well have enhanced strength. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it will never be something that will be covered, you know, well, it might, but I don't think it'll ever be covered. Yeah, something like that would be ideal because you could literally have, you know, a two-parter that covers like a whole history of the whole, f the, the forehead wars. <laughs> mm. You could almost call it that, that would cover that. That's probably the only real situation I can see. I mean, we not, might never get a show that, uh, that's, that's like that, of course, oh. where they might cover that, but yeah. I've just had a thought as well. We've also not seen, now that Discovery is set in the far-flung future, we haven't seen Klingons in the future either. I wonder if the people behind the scenes are really 
nervous about how to do that. Maybe they are concerned as to what is the best way to approach this and perhaps taking their time. Well, it gets a bit silly, doesn't it? If they, if they keep changing it every time, because like humans look the same, you know, do we have to have <laughs> like giant foreheads or something just to make it different throughout the, all these different eras? Um, so, I mean, there are issues if they go back to the next generation appearance that would need to be explained. I think if they, if they do that, they'll probably look like they do in Discovery uh, in, in, in the earlier seasons. Yeah. So, you know, they probably know if they do muck with it again. They got away with it already to a degree with Discovery, because you could say it's a new show, you know, blah, blah, blah. But if they change it again within the same uh, show, uh, they've really got, they'll probably owe us kind of some kind of canon excuse for it at that point. Not, not that they will do it, of course, but I think you have, really would have to explain it if they do it again. Yeah. They change it dramatically. Yeah. If they don't, then I think that once we've seen them in Strange New Worlds and once we've seen them in Discovery again, I think we may have to come back and, and talk and, about it again and see yeah. if, if this still holds up or if there's perhaps something new we can headcanon our way through. Oh, yeah. Well, we always like, like headcanoning. That's why we've got this show. Um, and that wraps up this episode of Short Range Sensors. This is actually a companion show to our main retrospective podcast, which is, of course, Long Range Sensors, where we take a detailed look at an old episode from the Star Trek franchise. Plus, you can also join the crew to support us and get access to Subspace Live, where we hang out with our subscribers to talk about all the latest things going on in the Star Trek universe. To find out more about these great shows, just head over to longrangesensors.com. I also host another podcast, and it's all about modern and retro video gaming, which you can find at consoleshock.net. And you can find out everything else I'm up to online by checking out my website at alistairmcfly.com. I'm at Henry Jones Jr. on Twitter. I'm at Alistair McFly on Twitter. And you've been listening to Short Range Sensors, where our headcanon has its own ridges.